Today I have with me Ashley Streeter-Jones. She's an award-winning activist, gender advocate, AFR 100 Woman of Influence 2019. She was listed on Forbes Study Under 30 Asia 2018 and was also awarded ACT Woman of the Year 2018. And despite this long list of accomplishments, we're actually going to be talking about failing forward today. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Ashley. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Could you tell me a little bit more about your achievements and about how failure has actually been such an important part of having that list of achievements that I just went through? Yeah, such a good question uh, and a really good place to start because I think failure really provides the foundation and the bedrock for the things that you go on to do. And as you said, a lot of failure is about failing forward. So it's what you do and how you grow from the experiences where you do uh, feel a bit of a setback and a setback is a good way to frame it because failure can just be that a setback and if you continue working towards your goals and continue to move forward then it doesn't need to be the end of a road for you. So in some of the work that I've done particularly advocacy and activism I've had moments where I've had really great traction for campaigns or moments where you're working on something behind the scenes and a government announcement may come out and it turns everything on its head. And so much of that relies on your ability to pivot, your ability to think on your feet and your ability really to bounce back. So it can require a lot of resilience. But failure has also been really important on my journey because it's tied in a lot with me making decisions that have aligned with my values. And at one particular point in my journey, I stopped and reflected on why I was feeling so much discomfort at a particular stage and realized it was really because I wasn't acting in accordance with my values. And as soon as I made that realization, so many things became clear as did the pathway forward. So while leaving that particular space at that time in my life, at the time did feel like a failure because I'd failed to maintain a particularly key and important working relationship. Again, it's actually formed the foundation for what I've gone on to do ever since. So it was really a blessing in disguise. You talked about um, before you signed on to the workshop, this idea of the fact that our goal in life as people, as um, individuals, is that we want to learn and grow. And inherently learning and growing means learning new things and growing out of old goals and old activities. Do you think that you kind of embodied that with that um, situation where you grew out of something, you didn't fall out of it, like you went on to something new and grew as a person and that was just inherent to that experience? Yeah, absolutely. And ultimately, if we're not changing, we are standing still. And I know standing still is not necessarily going backwards, but if I was still the same person that I was five years ago, I would have quite a few questions to ask myself. And I'm sure some other people in my life would be asking questions as well. So failures and uncomfortable experiences can be so great in highlighting some of these places that we want to be in or how we want to move forward. And a lot of that really is growth and growth is uncomfortable. Growth is inherently uncomfortable. And as much as I really do hate the saying that nothing comes from your comfort zone, it's, it is so true, but it does require us to lean a little bit into this discomfort. But I would challenge a lot of people to look back on times when they have lent into the discomfort and reflect on the outcomes of those experiences. Because for me, somebody who really loves their comfort zone, 
good things have always come, as much as I hate to admit it. I know for me, one of my biggest mind shift, uh, mindset shifts this year that I've really focused on has been embracing being uncomfortable. I see it as something that like, I have to love. If I want to grow and improve myself as much as possible, it has to be something that I stop looking at as a negative and I start looking at as a positive, even though you know, our vocabulary thinks of fear and failure and anxiety as negative things. It doesn't have to necessarily be that way. Would you agree? I really do have to agree with that. And again, I'm somebody who, um, by my own admission, very risk averse. And I really enjoy my, my bubble and my comfort zone. I don't enjoy being challenged to move out of those spaces. So for me, I've also had to reflect on experiences of discomfort. And I do think one of the best things we can learn is to seek comfort in discomfort. And sometimes that means doing what you can to redefine a situation, whether that's shifting a goalpost or narrowing a goalpost. And again, I've had this experience of running events for people and you're expecting 20 and four show up. And God, it can sting and it can still be uncomfortable to put yourself out there as a presenter and a facilitator and feel like the attendance really reflects on you. But a good example of shifting the goalposts is thinking, yes, I did want 20 and four showed up, but you know what? I'm going to put forward the best experience possible for those four people. Hmm. I think you can even frame it from another positive perspective that, sure, I didn't get 20 people to show up, but four people still find value in this. Like it's not, I think the first place that I went to when I was running TGLN and I didn't have as many people sign up as I wanted to was this thought of this isn't valuable, this isn't worth it, why am I wasting my time? And it's completely false because I got more than four people, but for the sake of this example, those four people found so much value in it that they still wanted to sign up. There's just so many different ways of looking at things. And would you agree that that's really fundamental to improving on ourselves is knowing how to look at things in multiple different positive lights? Yeah, I I think so. And at the end of the day, if you're not happy with the situation, there can be a lot of benefit in reframing it to, again, find out what that benefit is for you. So, for example, if you're not happy in a job, maybe it's going, okay, well, I'm not happy in this job, but I'm going to do some thinking about the job that I do want to be in. I'm going to look at my pathway to get there. and I'm going to see what sort of training I can get my current workplace to pay for. Or I'm going to see if I can take the lead on a particular project or supervise a staff member to create that stepping stone for myself into the next position. So there can be a lot of benefit in reframing things, but I also acknowledge when the going is tough, that can be a difficult thing to do. Hmm. I think another way that we can look at um, unhappiness as a positive thing, you touched on this in the workshop we just ran, um, that you found that unhappiness drove you to do more. And you talked about how your lowest lows were what led you to your highest highs because feeling so negative pushed you to work even harder. Could you touch on that? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So I was explaining in the workshop that we, uh, that we ran earlier today that this realisation came from a workshop that I did nearly 12 months ago where we were encouraged to draw a horizontal line and put in increments. So for me, I was 25, so I put in five increments at five years each. And we were encouraged to map the most formative events in our life and also map them uh, vertically or 
well, negative below the horizontal line vertically based on how much they impacted us. And what I realized from doing that exercise is that my highest highs have often coincided with my lowest lows. And it's interesting. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but when I have been most unhappy within myself or with my circumstance, I've compensated by trying to work even harder and really try and get some good achievements under my belt. And it's not necessarily proving anything to anyone else. In a way, it was really trying to prove something to myself more than anything else. But it also meant that I wasn't necessarily stopping to process some of the things that perhaps I should have been stopping to process or taking care of. So really focusing on taking care of my health um, is is a really key one. So it's a good reminder that even though things can look really great on the outside and very glamorous and very Instagrammable, always be mindful of what's going on behind the scenes, particularly things that do carry an amount of stigma such as mental health, but always remember to check in with people because when the going is good, there can be stuff below the surface as well. I think especially in this kind of time where titles and one aspect of your life can define you so much and we can push that out there so much, it's so important to recognise that there's so much behind it. Like I know even with, I have this crazy title for TGLN New South Wales Director and everyone thinks that it's super impressive, but I don't even no it doesn't feel like that to me and I there's so much work that goes behind it and it's not as people might interpret it and I think that's really important to remind people of like you have such a long list of achievements but there's such a long list of failures and such so many years of hard work behind yeah absolutely and this is something I reflect on if I get asked to do speaking or writing but presentations in particular where people might think that they're not prepared to pay you for your time or your content. But if they are prepared to pay you, people need to realise that, of course, what they're getting when you show up is not just an hour of your time. They're getting the prep time that you've put in. And more than that, they're getting all the experience that has led to you being on there, uh, to you being there on that day to do that presentation and share your expertise on that topic. And it really is the accumulation of everything that you've done. And that's the experience that they're paying for that they are receiving. Hmm. There's so much value in not even um, personal, emotional value that you take and, but physical value and value that's worth actual money that comes behind it. Yeah. But you also touched on something that I think is really interesting and that's, the importance of titles. And at the beginning of this, you know, you said award winning and yeah, that's true. But some people can get so caught up in awards or caught up in titles. And look, I will put my hand up and say, I too have been really guilty of this in the past. And I do think it's quite tricky when, when you go to meet someone and they say, what do you do? Mm. And I, I hate this question. What do you do? Because A title is just that. It's a title. It doesn't speak to who you are. And so often we expect that title to be the title of paid work that you're doing. Well, what if you are not in or you are not able to undertake formal employment? There are so many more ways that we contribute to society, which is why I prefer to lead with the question, who are you or how do you prefer to spend your time? And you can learn so much more about what makes someone who they are through the questions that you can ask them. 
that resonates so much. That's been something I've been really working on is moving away from the physical actions that I make and the titles that I have and more who I am as a person and how I would describe myself. And I think it relates to failure in a way that we think of ourselves as failures when one of our actions don't succeed. But you're not a, you're not a failure. Something failed. You're still the same kind and compassionate and hardworking and honest person that you are or however else you would describe yourself. You're not a failure. It's not about you. It's about that individual thing and you can completely separate them if you want to. I love that conceptualization of it because also this need for a title and the way that we attach identity, our identity so strongly to our work means that we live and die by the success of that work. And that's, that's not healthy because as you said, failure is something that happens to you. It is not the be all and end all of you, but when we define our worth so much by our work, which we all do, we do get very caught up in that and that failure can feel extra challenging. And speaking from a personal perspective, when I've gone from volunteering initiatives where I had a really snazzy or high powered sounding title, when I left that, I really struggled to uncouple my identity from it. And it actually led me to making some bad decisions around my next steps because I felt challenged to find a particular role that was meaningful in the same way so I engaged in things or started things I didn't do well and failed at because I was doing it for the wrong reasons and a lot of those reasons were around who am I without this particular piece of work so it was trying to fill that void but coming from a wrong place because I hadn't uncoupled my work from my identity and again it did lead to some pretty significant failures. You almost are seeking that validation for yourself. I know that sometimes in the kind of education and volunteer sphere, I might feel more important or seem more important because I've got those titles. But when I leave that sphere, I'm a waitress. I do, I'm a waitress functions coordinator now. I guess there goes me again, kind of attaching myself to a nicer title. But in reality, I'm a waitress. And that doesn't hold the same for me. And that might make me feel when I switch from one kind of persona to the other, it might make me feel like I'm not being as productive, but I can focus on the fact that my work is still making people's day and making people happy. And it's all about bringing positivity. doesn't matter what the title is. The title isn't me and the title isn't my work. Absolutely. And again, I think that's another really good framework we can use to conceptualize our feelings of failure or setbacks. We touched on a couple of other things in the session as well that I'd like to touch on here, particularly looking at goal setting and letting go of goals. Could you um, tell me a little bit, tell me again, a little bit about your experience with letting go of goals and how that doesn't have to be a failure? Yeah, absolutely. So a couple of years ago, I was involved in a social enterprise that I had co-founded and co-run But for multiple reasons, it wasn't the space for me anymore, partially because the pathways of my co-founder and I were no longer going in the same direction. We held different visions and ultimately different goals. And the way we were going about achieving those goals also looked quite different. So after a fair amount of soul searching, because I did love the work that we were doing, I initiated a really challenging conversation 
to end that partnership. And I felt so much grief leaving that, so much grief because I loved the work that I was doing. And I was also losing somebody who had been a, an extraordinarily large part of my life the last couple of years. But what I'd done is I'd stopped. I'd reflected on my goals, which was to create change and create a more equitable society. And that's a goal I've been working towards for the last 15 years and one that I consciously adopted when I was quite young. But I had to ask myself how I was feeling, how that was working, and actually, was I making change in the way that I wanted to? And the answer at that stage was no. So I decided to stay true to that goal and take a step back and ultimately take some time to think about what that goal now looked like for me. And I had to accept that that goal looked different, but there are so many ways to create change. So the goal wasn't just what does that look like, but how do I want to be doing it? So I took some time to stop and reflect and ultimately got to where I am now. So I'm really excited to say that about a month ago, I launched a venture called Raise Our Voice Australia, which is a training program that supports female and non-binary folk from diverse backgrounds to be more active uh, participants and leaders in public decision-making. So it's taken me two years to get from A to B and there've been a few ups and downs. I have had a few false starts and things that ultimately didn't go the way that I wanted them to, but I'm really excited to be where I am and I feel like I've found my place and I wouldn't have done that if I hadn't made a really big decision and quite frankly, one that felt like a failure at the time. I find it so funny because we're talking about mindset shifts again. I feel like everything seems to come back to mindset shifts at the moment, but with those goals I was reading something the other day about how you shouldn't attach yourself to a job or a person or a place you should attach yourself to a mission something that traverses all of those more physical things that can be taken away and if you do that and you set and realign your goals based on how you feel and who you are as a person and what you want to do and the general actions the general impact you want to make you're not going to feel that sense of failure as much as you would have if you attached it to a specific organization or a specific person or a specific program. I think like you're That's exactly, such a good way of thinking about it. <laughs> it just means that you're not, you almost will never have failure in the sense of the word that we understand it now because it's just shifting your, um, shifting your goal, not really taking away from it because the goal isn't attached to something that can be taken away. I really like that way of conceptualising it. And again, that's not to say that you wouldn't still feel disappointed from time to time, but I do think it helps to frame things in the context of this, this bigger picture and this bigger mission that we're working towards. We talked about something else during the workshop before you joined us about, um, we looked at, failure and how you can frame failure to be a positive thing but we also looked at the fact that failure doesn't always have to be positive we've spent 20-25 minutes talking about how we can shift our perspective to make failure a positive thing but and I wonder if you agree with me on this learning to accept and make peace with failure can be just as important as framing it in a positive light yeah I definitely agree with that and I think there's a 
big difference between failure that we initiate so for example a breakup of a relationship if you're the person who is breaking up with that individual then you've already had time to think about the decision and come to the conclusion and you've already started that process of grief but if you are for example let go from your job and it does seem out of the blue and you're not in control and it has blindsided you gosh that can be hard and confronting Um, And that failure can feel very negative. So it doesn't, again, it doesn't hurt to think about your relationship with that type of failure, but also recognise that you need to be incredibly compassionate with yourself at that time. In the workshop that I ran a couple of weeks ago, we were looking at confidence. I mentioned this strategy that I have when I'm dealing with negative emotions. In that sense, it was um, dealing with anxiety or lack of confidence. And my strategy was to accept how I feel and acknowledge it and move on. And since then, I've expanded on it a little bit and I've included experience. I feel like you told a story during the workshop that might relate to this, but you don't have to frame it positively. You can accept that it's negative. You can experience that negative emotion and let yourself feel it. You can acknowledge, you can experience, and then you can just accept that's how you feel and move on from it. Would you agree? Yes, definitely. Definitely. At the end of the day, the feeling that comes with failure is grief. And we also know there's no particular, like no, nobody's conquered the feeling of grief. Nobody knows how to eliminate the feeling of grief. We know how to make it a bit easier, but ultimately the thing that grief needs is time. And that's where I think sometimes you do have to accept and go, yeah, you know what? This is hard. This sucks. I feel shame or embarrassment or whatever it might be that's tied up in it but that process of accepting it and sitting with that is something you've also got to be okay with because again these these are things that will happen because we're human and they will happen to all of us but again I'd really re-emphasize being compassionate with yourself during that time yeah I think you'll never be able to eliminate grief. You just have to, or any negative emotion, you just have to learn to accept it, let yourself feel it, let yourself move through it in a way that you need to, whether that's you use the example of how you just like to let yourself cry and you just let yourself cry as long as you need. For me, I tend to cry as well, but, you know, take time to myself and it's okay to step back from everything and jump back in when I'm feeling better but just accepting and acknowledging that that's necessary and it's okay for human. Definitely. I don't think you can go past a good cry or for me, it's really loud music with very heavy bass. (laughs) I usually go for a drive when I do that. Yeah. (laughs) I think we've touched on so much. I'm looking back at the past 25 minutes and I can barely track where we've gone. I don't think I could even summarize it. But thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and sharing all of your insight and experience into the topics that we discussed, all of the topics we discussed. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Again, I think these are such important conversations to have. And one of the things that creates the feeling of failure is shame. And shame thrives on secrecy and not talking about things. So it's so important to have these conversations and break the stigma. So thank you so much for having me on the podcast. If anyone would like to hear more about your work or get in touch with you, how could they do that? I am on LinkedIn at Ash Streeter or on Instagram at activist.ash. 
Okay, perfect. And your program, Raise Your Voice, is that something that people can get involved with or is that a one-off thing? It is, yes. You can follow us on Raise Our Voice. Uh, we are on Facebook, Raise Our Voice Australia, or Instagram at Raise Our Voice Australia as well. If you are interested in public decision-making and you're a young woman or non-binary person, we would love to hear from you. Okay, amazing. I'll make sure to leave all of those links um, in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on, Ashley, and thank you to everyone listening as well.